قولي سبحانك لا علم لنا إلا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا إلا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا إلا ما علمتنا أما بعد Respected listeners, inshallah, yesterday, uh, last week, we covered, uh, we, we again Surah Al-Naml, and uh, we covered the introductory ayats, 7-8 ayat of Surah Al-Naml. And inshallah, we will begin today the first of the five stories of Surah Al-Naml. And the first story is about the story of Musa alayhi salatu wassalam. Story that's come in many places. Uh, and every place has its own section, its own, own khususiyah. And inshallah, we'll be covering some, some points of that today. A'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajeem. Bismillahir rahmanir rahim. إذ قال موسى لأهله إني أنست نارا سآتيكم منها بخبر أو آتيكم بشهاب قبس لعلكم تصطلون فلما جاءها نودي أنبورك من في النار ومن حولها وسبحان الله رب العالمين يا موسى إنه أنا الله العزيز الحكيم وألق عصاك فلما رآها تهتز كأنها جان ولا مدبرا ولم يعقب يا موسى لا تخف إني لا يخاف لدي المرسلون إلا من ظلم ثم بدل حسنا بعد سوء فإني غفور رحيم وأدخل يدك في جيبك تخرج بيضاء من غير سوء في تسع آيات إلى فرعون وقومه إنهم كانوا قوما فاسقين فلما جاءتهم آياتنا مبصرة قالوا هذا سحر مبين وجحدوا بها واستيقنتها أنفسهم ظلما وعلوا فانظر كيف كان عاقبة المفسدين صدق الله العظيم So these are ayat 7 to ayat 14 of Surah Al-Namal that was recited. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, from the first five, the, as I said, the five stories here, the first story being the story of Musa alayhi salam in this, in this surah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Remember, remember, behold, Musa alayhi salam said to his family, Indeed, I have noticed a fire. Anastu, I have noticed Naran a fire. Saatikum minha bi khabar. I shall bring you some news from it, from the fire. Bi khabar, some news, meaning some news to guide us. Awatikum bi shihab, or I will bring you shihab in qabas, a flaming fire band. La'allakum tasarun, so that you may warm yourself. So Musa alayhi salatu wasalam. This story, as I said, has been mentioned 23 times in the Quran. 23 times. One of the most repeated uh, prophets or the most uh, oft repeated story in the whole Quran. Um, different aspects of it have been highlighted. So here in this case, there's a short, only seven ayats that we have, or even less. Other places, there are many, many more pages. 
So here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is speaking about the journey of Musa when he is returning back from Madian. You know, he left Egypt after the incident in which he ended up killing the Copt. And he ran from there and he went to Madian and he ended up meeting Shu'ib He stayed in his company and he served him for 10 years and eight or 10 years. And eventually he married his daughter. And now he's coming back with the daughter of Shu'ib. Where was he headed? Most people say he was headed to uh, Egypt, going back to Egypt. Some ulama have said that actually instead of going back to Egypt, uh, because he had already run away from there, he was not going back to Egypt. He was going to the, uh, the original place of his forefathers, which was Baytul Maqdis. Right? Masjid Aqsa, Masjid Baytul Maqdis, Palestine. That's where he was headed. That was his intention. However, he lost his, he lost the way in the desert, dark and far away, no guides. And he ended up going in a completely different direction. And so instead of going towards um, Beit al-Maqdis, he ended up going towards, uh, instead of going to Shah, uh, Shah, he ended up going to Egypt. Different direction completely. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala willed for him. Allah had a plan. Sometimes in us uh, 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 getting lost, in reality, we realize later on in life that that was the most guided we've ever were in our life. You've ever thought about that? Sometimes a person loses his directions, his bearings. And that ends up becoming the most amazing life-changing experience, subhanAllah. I can think of instances where I have met people, uh, you know, in a small masjid, I got lost or they got lost or he's looking. And those uh, interactions ended up becoming life-changing interactions for both them and myself. Friendships developed, lots of great things happened. We weren't mean, meant to meet each other. But it was just like, what are you doing over here? I lost. I came to ask for help. I'm looking in the masjid. I just thought. <laughs> and that ends up becoming, like I said, the most guided you ever went. Because amazing things happen. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, when he wants to guide someone, he may guide him through making him lose his path. And many times we see the closest a person gets into life, closest to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, sometimes it's after he loses something. Loses a family member. Loses wealth. Loses health. And in that loss is his greatest gain. And in that loss is his greatest gain. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he wants to bring you close to him, he sometimes throws an excuse, gives you an excuse. He puts you through ahwal, through conditions. And those conditions humble us. And in that humbling, we end up getting closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we have never had when we were healthy, wealthy, and enjoying life. Something to think about. So Musa salam here, he, he got lost apparently, but in reality, most guided. Something amazing is going to happen to him now. And what is that? He's going to receive revelation. He's going to speak to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He's going to be given prophethood. What, this, what better way to get, get guided than this? So it was a cold night, scholars say, and he was traveling with his wife and he needed and he was lost. So being becoming lost, feeling cold, this is not against being a man. Okay? So, you know, there's a joke commonly say, guys, they don't like to ask directions. They don't stop for directions. Now, of course, no one even knows what that means. The younger generation, because, because everyone's got GPS. Recently, a family member asked me, so before GPS, how you guys used to travel? Used to print out at home? Like, I, think, I said, by the printing out started in 2005, four when you had MapQuest. What, do you never, you're not asking what happened before that. So, no, I never thought about what happened before that. I said, we had something called a map. Have you ever seen a map? Said, no, I've never seen a map. So you used to have it in, a, in, a, in the glove compartment. used to open it up. And they were just bewildered. Like, really? That's how you used to actually go cross country through a map? Yeah, you'd go everywhere through the map. So commonly it said like, oh guys, you know, they don't like to stop and ask directions at a gas station. They say it's not manly. It's not right for us to do that. Here you have a prophet of Allah. 
who's about to become a prophet. And he's straight up telling his wife, you know what? I'm, I, we're pretty much lost. I'm going to go uh, and I'm going to go get you some news. Let's go find some news. Yeah, I need directions. Figure it out. Or I'm going to go, if I can't, if I can't, if there's no one by that fire, I see a fire. There's no one there. I'm going to bring some, uh, some uh, you know, take a stick from here, bring some fire back so that at least we can have light and you can get, gain some warmth in the night while we're here alone in the desert. So Musa is speaking to his wife. He, the Quran says, when he said, what's the translation of Ahl? Family. So ulama, a scholar say here, why did he say Ahli? When he could have said it, Musa he said to his wife. And this is the adab of the Quran. The etiquette of the Quran is that when speaking about women, we don't mention their names. This is not some Desi Indian Pakistani thing. This is straight from the Quran. And, and the scholars have said that, the one I'm, I'm quoting, is also not from the subcontinent. It's from Sham, from Syria. But he mentioned this, the adab of the Quran that, that we learn from there. That when addressing, when speaking about women due to the tasattur and to the haya. Not that they are second class, they're first class. But because of the fact that if the, the extreme haya that they have and that a person is so jealous and uh, over them in, in protecting them, be it their daughter, sister, wife, or mother, uh, a person, instead of referring to them by name, says my family. Right Now, those of us who come from a, a stronger cultural background from overseas, we cannot understand this. But our generation here in this country does not understand this. They get confused. So I have to kind of spell it out because they don't understand. We see family. Wait, hold on. How many are you guys? Three? Four? No, use the word families referring to the wife. It's straight from the Quran. Out of respect. And guess what? There is no names of any women mentioned in the Quran. We know this? No name of any woman. Every time Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions, he mentions Imra'atul Aziz. Okay? Imra'atul Fir'aun. Wife of Fir'aun. Wife of the governor of Egypt. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will mention... Um, you know, Imra'atulut, Imra'atunuh, wife of Lut, wife of Nuh, etc. Those type of things. No mention of names. You're going to mention name. The only place Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions one name. Who is that? Prophet Maryam. It was very important, not for the sake of it. There was a reason for it. We had to say Isa ibn Maryam. Because people were saying Isa ibn Allah. Isa the son of Allah. To clarify it. That he's not the son of God. Nor does he have a father. Instead he was born through, uh, you know, uh, through this miraculous birth. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned her name, Isa ibn Maryam. That's a reason why. Otherwise, no other um, name of a female has been mentioned. So my dear brothers, my dear sisters, this is, we need to, our, our mizaj, our temperament needs to become wafiq and, and accordance to the, what the Quran says. This is not the, the, the call for, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the movement, the movements within the, the, the community, both Muslim and non-Muslim. Uh, lots of movements have come about. The feminism movement is very strong nowadays. And in that feminist movement, you see certain aspects of the deen are completely trampled. People start uh, misunderstanding things. Misunderstanding things. Like the role of a father and mother. The deen makes it very clear. Now, if someone says to their father and mother, which is a real story scenario I'm telling you, I should respect you. You're my dad. For what? You were born 20 years earlier than me in the world. 30 years earlier. 30 years before me. That's it. What did you do to come before me in the world? What have you done? You just happened to be born 30 years before me. I could have been your dad. So if you came 30 years before me, how does that give you a right over me that I got to listen to you? I've heard someone using this logic. You understand? What are you going to say? What are you going to say? Allah's brother, let's close, the, let's close the shop and let's call it quits. You can't argue with this type of logic. 
Can't argue with that because your, 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 your framework is so messed up that a person is now, you just make dua for such people. Similarly, what I'm trying to tell you is that when it comes to the rights of women and men, if someone wants to argue and fight and wants to say that women are oppressed in the Quran, women are oppressed in Islam, and wants to come up with all sorts of things, we really have a very hard time explaining to them things. This is actually the adab and ikhtiram of women, the love and, uh, and care for the women. Let's look at how, um, for example, uh, men would ask uh, the women's hand in marriage. This whole uh, system of dating, for example, that is there, if you notice, it came about within the Western culture too, only uh, about six, seven decades ago. And if you read the history of it too, you, you see that a man would have to prove to the father-in-law that he's worthy of even seeing his daughter. Okay, you didn't just go grab the girl and say, well, go out to eat. Never really happened like that. Uh, in this country, in, in 1940s, 1930s, it was a big day when you have to go ask his, her dad for, can I take her out to dinner? Or can I take her out for, you know, uh, uh, whatever the case may be. There was a system. Why? Why not? Just you, you come free, free for all. You come and go. Because even the West used to understand that there's a, there is a, a um, what you call, a special status that women hold. But for the guy, did the girl come to the house of the guy? The guy's father, hey, can I please take out your son for a date? No concept of that. Never in this history. This is all recent stuff. 37 years ago, that wasn't happening around. It was always a man who would go for the women's hands. He would do the proposal. This whole American culture of, uh, of the guy going on the knees and offering a, a, what you call, a diamond ring. You know, and how it's popular culture over here. How many, how many stories in the past seven years you see women going begging for a guy to get married to her? Does that happen? Why is that? It's the, it is the guy who's going after the women. That's a tartib. The women is the one that people are coveting. Even in the animal kingdom, you see within the tigers and the lions, what happens? You have one female and five, li five, five male lions trying to go for her, right? And they're trying to court her, trying to court her, trying to win her over to show I'm more powerful. When another lion comes, he, roar, he roars louder to say, hey, I'm in charge. And he's trying to roar. They fight over one lady. That's the nidam that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put in this dunya. Be it males, be it humans, or be to, between animals. That the lady is something which is honorable that men fight over. It's very clear. But so in our own culture was like that in this country. Where in order to get married to someone, a person had to make a lot of effort. You didn't just sit around and do stuff like that. How it's happening now. This is degrading to the society we live in now. Muslim world, non-Muslim world, the way women are treated. This is degrading. The honor was what the Quran gave. The honor was what the hadith gave. And the honor was what 150 years ago. Look at how a woman was dressed for her, uh, for her uh, uh, marriage. Look at the scarf that she would wear. All non-Muslims too. Victorian era. The white wedding gown. How, the, how they were all wearing the niqab. Now everyone's wearing niqab, covering their mouths. Everyone. But in the Victorian era, marriages, how were they taking place? The, the girl would have a veil. Yes, the girl would have a veil. Why not walk around flouting herself and you know selfies? It was, that was regarded disrespectful. This is regarded, and then the father would walk the girl down the aisle. Yes? Not, why not the husband? Why not the guy, all the you know, father walking down? Hey, you're a man, go get yourself. Go, go get married yourself. But the daughter, subhanAllah, amana, big trust, beautiful thing, right? He's raised her. Now the man, father is holding the daughter and taking. These things were part of the, the Western culture as well. Slowly they've been taken out. And bit by bit, now the same deen, which is nature, which is natural, which is according to fitrah, all of a sudden people say, this makes no sense. So where, what are we speaking about, my friends? We're speaking about the aspect of ahl. That's all we're speaking about. How Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not say zawja, wife, 
Instead, he says, Ahl, referring to the wife of Musa, alayhi salatu salam. So now he says, Anastu nara. What does Anasa mean? Anasa does not mean shahatu, ra'aytu, I saw it, I witnessed it. Anastu comes from the word uns. Uns means feel comfort. Feel, uh, you know, uh, 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 comfortable and feel content with. You say, Anastu minhu, uh, you know, lutfan wa karaman. I sense, I sense kindness from him. Okay, that's when Anasa used word. So Musa salam is looking at it, but he's looking at, why didn't he say, ra'aytu, I see fire? If he's with his wife, shouldn't he say anasna shahadna? We both saw. Hey, you see the you see the fire there? Let me go get it there. He didn't say that. He says he's telling his wife, "I have seen, I have noticed." Means most likely she didn't notice it, even though she's completely fine. She's there. Why didn't she notice it? Right? Why didn't she notice it? And why didn't he just say, "I saw it"? He says, I, "I'm sensing some familiarity. I'm sensing some comfort." The scholars say because this was not just like a normal fire. That fire was just an excuse to get him there. Get him away from his wife, subhanAllah. Get him away from his wife so Allah could talk to her. He could tell him, oh, there's my, you know, you know, there's like uh, uh, the, the guys nowadays, if they want to school privately, so, oh, sorry, sorry, my office is calling me. <laughs> Might be his friend, but he just goes out, he leaves his wife because he won't speak privately. So Musa, alayhi salam, he has to speak to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He says, I sense that there is a fire here. And the fire, he knew, was, yani, very likely he didn't, he didn't Figured it's not a normal fire. And very likely his wife didn't see it because it was something special. It was a special nur he's seeing. Okay. What I'm going to do, I'm going to go find, get some news of her directions. Why? Previously and during those times, in the, in the in desert areas, in the nights, there were generous people, kind people who would light up a fire on top of a mountain. And this was like a lighthouse. If someone gets lost in the middle of the night, they would be able to find their way, come there. And maybe if it was a very generous person, he would have some food or something prepared for them and say, okay, you can spend the night here. Tomorrow, I'll guide you to your destination. So he says, I'm going to go find. If there's no one there, at least let me go get um, some a flame for us to light up at night and you can get warmth. Look, he's, he's serving his wife. Do khidmah. Very clearly. So to do khidmah, my dear brothers, of, of one's family is not against our honor, but it is the honorable thing to do. I, I heard one of the ulama say something very beautiful. He said, no honorable wife will ever ask her husband to serve me. And no honorable husband will ever regard serving his wife below his dignity. Isn't that beautiful? I repeat, no honorable wife will demand her husband to serve her. And no honorable husband will regard below his dignity to serve his wife. Someone said, uh, uh, what, is, what is the haq of the wife and the haq of the husband? What is the haq of the wife? What's the haq of the Tell me what's the right of the husband, what's the husband's uh, right of the wife? He said, That the right of the wife upon the husband, the right of the wife upon the husband is the husband serves her outside of the house. Husband serves her outside of the house. And the right of the husband over the wife is the wife serves him inside the house. This is an old saying. Very clear. Both are serving one another, but the way you serve one another is different. He said he serves her outside of the house. She serves him inside the house. So he's serving. Musa salam is going, serving his wife now. And then the Quran uses pronouns of plural. I'm going to bring for you all. He didn't say bring for you, you one female. He said, I'm going to bring for you, all of you, flaming firebrand or so that you may gain some warmth. 
why did why is a plural verb why is a plural pronoun been used here are you guys following me plural amazing point this this is something that really touched me man i was just preparing for this what the ulama say that because in an ideal relationship between a husband and a wife the presence of the spouse is equivalent to the presence of an entire group meaning if you have 10 people one side and you have your one or your wife one side you feel more at peace with the presence of one person your wife instead of the presence of 10 other people she is equivalent to a jamaah she is supposed to be equivalent to jamaah i mean that is the comfort that a person is supposed to feel in the company of his spouse what an amazing point subhanallah may allah reward our mufassirun who who who, who extrapolate such beautiful points from the quran and so as i said an ideal that's how it's supposed to be so if it's not like that and the person feels you know, lots of people nowadays on WhatsApp, they're always posting jokes about women and husbands. Wives are putting jokes about husbands, husbands putting jokes about wives. And this is the reality. This, uh, this quarantine has actually caused a lot of divorces. You know, one, one student of, the, of, of Ifta, you know, the one who's, who's, doing, who's writing fatwas today, I met him. He told me since quarantine started, the number of talaq questions he was getting per week increased like seven to nine questions per week extra. Can you imagine that? Seven to nine questions. He, one person, is receiving questions. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect our marriages. May Allah keep them safe and sound. And may Allah protect us from being infiltrated by shaitan. But that's why shaitan, instead of enjoying each other's company more, shaitan instead makes each other's company even a bigger burden. So what an amazing point we learned from this ayah here is that the wife is equivalent to a whole jama'ah. So when he came to this fire, okay, uh, he was called by Allah. What was the call? The call was made. Blessed be whoever is in whoever is in the fire, and whoever is around it. And glory be to Allah, highly exalted is Allah alone, the Lord of the worlds. So Musa started coming towards this fire. According to Musa, it may have been fire, it may not have been fire, but according to Allah, of course, this was not fire. What was this? This was Nur. This was Nur. And it was like a tree engulfed in fire. It was looked like a tree engulfed in fire. And from all of a sudden, from nowhere, he started hearing a voice. This voice, the scholars say, came from all directions, not from one direction. And it was not something that he heard only from his ears. Usually you hear from ears. Musa salam, every single pore in his body was interacting with this sound, was interacting with his voice. It was not something that you would normally hear with your ears. It was as though his whole body was hearing from every cell of it. This was what we call a miracle, a mu'jizah. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is now speaking to Musa salam, and he is interacting with this speech of Allah Jalla Jalalhu. All right. What is the speech? The speech is whoever's inside the fire and whoever's around it is Mubarak. What's Mubarak? Mubarak means kafir al baraka. Mubarak means to have a lot of blessing. To be uh, baraka, they say, to be extremely beneficial, even though the means may be less. With little means, get a lot done. That's called barakah. With little means, get a lot done. So he says, who, the voice said, whoever's in the fire and whoever's around it are all blessed. Who's in the fire? Various opinions. Abdullah ibn Abbas says, in the fire is referring to Allah, Allah himself. Yani Allah's nur. Allah's a special manifestation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's nur inside the fire. Around it means the angels. Meaning Allah is blessed and the angels are blessed. That's one meaning. Or it could mean Musa alayhi salam. Because there's no real fire like Ibrahim salam's fire or some other fire. 
This is a make-believe fire, right? This is something else. It seemed fire from outside, but in reality, it was nur. So manfil nari means Musa salam around the fire or in the fire, figuratively speaking, and around it would be the angels. So either way, whether it means Musa and the angels are blessed or it means Allah and the angels are blessed. Okay. Then Allah says, well, subhanallah, rabbil alameen. Exalted is Allah, Lord of the worlds. Subhana. Subhana is tanzi. It's when you say Allah is above and beyond anything that is uh, 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 remotely similar to the creation. So why is that mentioned over here? Subhanallah Rabbil Alameen. It's because someone may think, oh, Allah is speaking. How did it sound like? How many syllables? How many decibels? Right? How loud? How soft? Because my dear friends, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks, his speech is free of a voice. His, free, his speech is free of sound. His, free is, his speech is free of words and letters. His speech is free of time, minutes and seconds. His speech is free of, you know, uh, movement of vocal cords, of the tongue, of all of those things. So then what was happening over here? This speech is, I told you, a miracle, which, which uh, the voice he heard was not a normal, it was not a voice that is similar to any voice you could hear here. That's why Subhana is mentioned. Something above and whatever you think, Allah is above that. Whatever you think, Allah is above that. Now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself is la mahdud. He has no uh, uh, accordance, no bearings, no ending, no beginning. He is completely uh, 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 free of space and time, infinite in all senses. But when he interacts with the weak creation, which is you and I, since we are finite and we have very limited resources and abilities to interact with things, that is why when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala communicates with us, he communicates with us in a way that we can understand. You can say like a adapter. Because he's la mahdud. He has absolutely no end and beginning. He has, he's infinite and, and nothing similar to his makhluk. But in order for him to communicate with us, he communicates with us in a manner that we can understand. And so this speech that took place itself is what, what, what we say is, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala used this means to send a message to Musa salam. Beyond that, we don't know anything else. The, the kafiyah, the method of it, uh, the, 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 you know, the, the details of it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't speak about it. What, all we know is that this was a miracle of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Notice, wahi comes through many ways. But wahi, revelation. What is wa uh, uh, revelation? Allah when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends his knowledge through a hidden manner to his prophets, right? That's, that's wahi. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has different ways of doing that. Either he may communicate through angel Jibreel. Either he may communicate directly as you want to call it, like over here. When Allah communicates with his servants, how does he communicate? Through revelation. Uh, or behind a veil or he sends a messenger uh, a messenger like Jibreel to the prophets or he sends the prophets to us that's how he communicates with us but then Allah Jalla Jalal who also communicates with us my dear Muslim brothers and sisters through feelings what do I mean by that sometimes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will put this feeling in your heart that of peace and comfort you enter the house of Allah someone was just mentioning 
and I'm sure all of you can mention, when the masjids were closed around the country, in this, in this city as well as other cities, do you remember the first time you entered the masjid? For Isha Salah, Fajr Salah, how did it feel? Right? When, you, when you entered first time, there was just some ajeeb feeling that you can't describe. People became emotional. People started crying. They hadn't been in a masjid for three months, four months. Some people hadn't even been for Juma. So this sukoon that when you enter a masjid, it's so peaceful. This is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala communicating with you. When a person feels that Allah loves me, I have hope in Allah. Allah is not going to let me down. This is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala communicating with us. Right? And the, my dear friends, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala lets you know that he loves you and you feel his love, and when you feel trust, that you can trust Allah, when you feel Allah's got my back, as we say, then, mashallah, you've tasted everything. Even if you haven't tasted Chicago-style pizza or New York-style pizza, if you haven't tasted uh, the best ice cream in town, you don't need to. You've tasted the sweetness of speaking to Allah. You've tasted the sweetness of Allah's love for you. And the one who has found every single materialistic thing of this world, my friends, but has not found Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, hasn't tasted the, the knowledge of Allah, he hasn't tasted the mahabbat of Allah, hasn't tasted the qurb and the closeness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, hasn't tasted anything. I remember in the month of Ramadan, recently, mashallah, time is flying already three months, we were encouraging students to recite many, many Qur'ans as much as possible. So, so our students, mashallah, some of them who are sitting here as well, they made intention to recite one Quran in one day. I said, let's do it. Let's, you know, one of the teachers told me, how about we encourage our students? How many of us can recite one Quran one day, the last few nights? So alhamdulillah, many brothers, 15 or 16 brothers did that, one Quran one day. One student, he mentioned to me, alhamdulillah, he mentioned that he, he sat down at his home because we weren't doing etikaf, everyone's at home. And in one day, he recited two khatas, 60 Jews. Okay? He's a young, American-born young man, a kid from here. So what he, what he sent me this message was, he said, you know, I want to tell you one thing, is you think reciting 60 juz is humanly not possible in one day. But all of us have heard stories, have we not? Of the mashayikh of the past and the mashayikh of the recent two who do stuff like this. He said, I never dreamed I could do something, something like this. But I made himma, and one amazing point he said, he said, I usually do khatams in Ramadan, one per day with other classmates, with other friends. But in the heat of the moment, we start becoming competitive. And it's like, how much have you done? How much you've done? So it's, you guys know what that means, right? So competitive, competitive. And that competition drives us. And he said, this time I was at home. No competition, no friends, no classmates. And at that, at that time, I realized that today, if I do my khatam, there's going to be a higher degree of ikhlas than when I usually do my khatam. Because I'm not trying to compete with anyone. This is So I met him and I sat down. And he said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inspired me that I not only completed one, the unthinkable, I completed two. And he said, I slept only three, four hours, max. Did not eat much, barely anything for sahri, barely anything for iftar. But he said, I still don't feel tired. I don't feel exhausted. And what the point he said, he said, now I understand what, what a slight understanding of those people who say, that Allah feeds me. The Prophet he himself, he said, Allah, Allah feeds me, Allah gives me to drink. Don't follow, try to follow my footsteps. And through the dhikr of Allah, they would be living. When you see mashayikh and awliya, they say the dhikr of Allah keeps them running. This is a small taste of that. What is that, my friends? When we get the ma'rifah of Allah, the muhabbat of Allah, then truly, we don't need the material things of this world. And I, I'm so far away from this myself. 
I'm asking and I'm, the way I speak, I'm speaking about this. So I hope, inshallah, through the barakah of this majlis, Allah will give me this reality. And Allah will give you this reality. When we are not with our phone, our phone battery is dead. How we feel bitchin, how we feel incomplete, how we feel there's something really wrong. We know what that feeling is. That is because our heart is not attached to the Quran. Otherwise, the one whose heart is attached to the Quran, no matter what, what situation he's in, he knows that he's got Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with him. We were reading a hadith recently. Three people who Allah loves the most. Who Allah loves. One of them, the Rasulullah mentioned, it's a hadith al-Tirmidhi, that a group of people are traveling. And after they arrive at their destination, they are so tired. They are so tired that a person will give up anything in this world for sleep. That's the gist of the hadith. So tired. After a long journey, people go to sleep. But this man, instead of going to sleep, he stands up in tahajjud. He stands up in ibadat. And he starts begging and crying in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. While the, all, all of his friends and classmates and roommates or whoever, travel mates are all knocked out sleeping. And, he, and they were all would be willing to give up anything to get that sleep. And he is as tired as them. But he's tasted something which they haven't tasted. Which is the taste and sweetness of speaking to Allah in the midst of the night. May Allah make you and I from amongst those who get this gift. Say, I mean, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us amongst those who really know what it means to speak to Allah, to know Allah, to love Allah, and to have this feeling inside your heart that Allah loves me. I've got nothing to worry about. Allah's got my back. Allah will take care of my situation. That I leave all my affairs up to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah is watch, very watchful over the servants. Ya Musa. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then speaks to Musa and he says, Innahu an Allah. Oh Musa, indeed it is I. Indeed it is I. This is not fake. This is not some hallucination. It is I who is speaking. An Allahu Rabbul Alameen. An Allah, inni an Allah. Indeed it is I, Al-Aziz Al-Hakim, the overpowering one, the all-wise. Now, to this, in, this, uh, in this place, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about two attributes of his. One is Al-Aziz, one is Al-Hakim. What does that mean? Number one, Aziz. Three things in Aziz. Number one is whose existence, whose existence uh, is very scarce. So scarce that there is no one besides him. He's the only one. You know how you say this is something really rare? Al-Aziz means you're so rare, and Allah is so rare that he has absolutely no number two. There is none. Second to none, as they say. There is no. That's how Aziz. Number two, is Aziz has the meaning is that people need you. So when it, it comes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it means that 100% of all benefit of humanity and jinn and all creation lies only in Allah's hands. No one is able to put on the switch without Allah's will. And number three, Aziz means it's very hard to reach him to harm. And that means, of course, Allah is so protected and himself and so difficult that no one can ever reach and harm Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So three things. He, has, he is so rare that there is no second. Number two, everyone needs him to the extent that all 100% benefit lies in his hands. And number three is that uh, the, uh, all, all, uh, no one can harm him. Uh, that's in the meaning of Al-Aziz. And number two, Al-Hakim. All wise. What does that mean? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the best of planners, best of planners. And he is the, in, not only does he plan well, he puts everything in its appropriate place and its appropriate time 
in its appropriate amount, in its appropriate size, and in its appropriate shape, appropriate form, that it couldn't have been better. That's what hikmah is. From the placement of my eyes to the placement of my nose to where you and I are sitting right now in our lives. Everything is perfect. And that's what hikmah and wisdom of Allah is one of the greatest proofs of Allah's existence. You know, my brothers, it's shameful, shameful, sad that when a person is, 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 the heart is distant from Allah and blind, he won't understand anything. He will blame, he will give all credit to evolution. Right? It makes my blood boil. Today I was just reading about sharks and uh, how amazingly they are able to a sniff. They're not attracted to human blood as people erroneously think. Or, and they are attracted to specifically fish blood, not mammal blood, fish blood. And as soon as they smell it, they go crazy. So the person who did this experiment, so sad. What does he say at the end of it? He says, well, you know, I guess sharks are much smarter than us because they're, they're, they're longer, they're longer uh, in the world than trees and dinosaurs. They've been around for 400 million years. So evolution has really done them a lot of benefit that they can smell their prey better than we can. I said, you know, sad. So we make shukr to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he saved us from that, from that blindness where something is blaring openly, clearly screaming to say, I am a proof of Allah's existence. And we say, what? It's evolution. And not realizing that even evolution comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Not to say that this micro-evolution is not taking place. It does take place, sure, fine. But who's behind that? Whose hand is behind that? That is the hand of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Al-Hakim, always. Talking about the greatness of Allah, it's very important for us to focus on nature. To understand Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's greatness. And that is why, look around nature. Take our kids for a walk. Take, go yourself for a walk. Right? Summer is about to end. Go enjoy the... Uh, these, uh, the, 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 the parks, go enjoy the flowers and see the honeybee attracting, it's taking out the nectar. Look at the bumblebee, look at all this stuff. I came across another interesting clip. And if you can't do all that, at least for the sake of Ma'rif of Allah, watch some clips of National Geographic or BBC Earth, all right? And see what that is. I have to share this with you. In Japan, they, they, did, they, they, they studied this honeybee. That has its huge honeybee farm there, special type of, 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 uh, of, of a Japanese honeybee. And so they had a video of this of wasp, a wasp that is also huge and it can attack the bees. They send out a scout to go smell where they can get some food. Apparently they go steal each other's honey too. So the wasp goes to go to check out where they can do. It comes and it sniffs, it sniffs out that there's honey over here. Huge, massive, what do you call hive? So it, it wanted to do a little bit more research. So that, that, that honey, that wasp keeps on going. It's strong. It goes in. The, the, now the, the hive has got its own guards, honeybee guards. They notice that this, this, this one is coming here. They send out a signal, Bluetooth signal. All the entire thousands of bees receive the signal. Immediately they go on firefighter mode. Like, okay, hold on, someone's coming in, ready. And you start seeing them moving now. The one outsider, he has no idea. They do not attack him. They don't know anything. Aja, Aja, come, come on in, come on in. He comes in. So when he comes in, he looks around and he sees a small bee and he attacks it, kills it. It's suicide. 
then B knows it's going to die. But it go, it died. As soon as it dies, it releases the signal that it's dead. When that signal goes, they all, that's a, that's a sign that you need to attack now. They all attack. And guess what? They don't bite the wasp. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made the wasp and the honeybee such that the honeybee can live up to, if I, if I remember the numbers correct, 46 degrees Celsius. If they go to 47, they die. The wasp uh, lives up to 44 degrees Celsius. If it goes up to 45, it dies. Or anything above 44. So you get two degrees Celsius difference of how much they can withstand. So what do the, the honeybees do? They all gather around, hundreds of them, and they just sit on top of them until the temperature goes above 44. As soon as it goes above 44, it basically gets roasted. It's dead. And then they go away. Then they cannot go tell the news to the other wasps that there's honey over here. But if this, subhanallah, say subhanallah. <coughs> Where is this coming from? Where is this intelligence coming from? Right? You could you could have a war, you could study, you could teach war games in, in uh in you know in university from the way these bees are acting. So everywhere, ayat, the qudra of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is there. Yeah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala didn't make these bees for us to yani, for, for just to enjoy the honey. Every single ant, every single bee is screaming to say, I am an alama and a sign of Allah's greatness. How many signs there are in the heavens and the earth that you pass by it while looking the other way? So the how many of us in our Desi culture think that going out for a nature walk or vacation is ibadah? Think about that. Those who are going for vacation don't have this intention. Those who could have this intention don't go for vacation. Right? So this is a very important aspect of our deen. That we go study nature and understand Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's qudra. So Allah says now, وَأَلْقِعَصَاكَ O Musa, throw your staff to the ground. فَلَمَّا رَأَهَا تَحْتَزُّ When he saw it moving, how is it moving? تَحْتَزُّ right? He saw it moving back and forth as كَأَنَّهَا جَانَ As though it were a great serpent. Some have said John means not my John, right? But John means a small, a small snake, white snake that is, has a little bit yellowish tint to it that is really fast. So the snake was as it comes in other places. Very large serpent. But usually the large serpents, they don't move that fast. This was interesting. That it was so large, you would think it would be very slow, but it was moving as fast as a small slithering, what you call like a rattlesnake or something like that, a garden snake, real fast. When Musa saw this, he turned around running and he fled. Allah says clearly, and did not turn back to even look. Usually when you, when you run, if, you, if, if you're not that afraid, you keep on checking to see, what's, is it still coming after you? It's coming. But when you are extremely scared, someone's coming with a gun or whatnot, then you're not going to You're not looking for it back. You're trying to run for cover. So Musa salam, Allah showing as a natural fitrah, human nature kicked in. They'll say evolution kicked in. Human nature kicked in. That we have to protect ourselves from harm. It kicked in. And he said, I got to run from here. Why did Allah Jalla Jalalu in the first place? I mean, there's so much hikmah here. He says, in, the, in Surah Taha, he says, What's in your hand? Right? We know this. What's in your right hand? Of course, Allah knows what's in his hand. Allah knows. 
The purpose is, I want you to look. Look at this before you throw it, okay? What is this? Is this a snake? I mean, obviously not a snake. Look at it. Okay, feel it. It's a stick. Now throw. What do we learn, my brothers? We can speak for an hour on this. May Allah give the reality of this in my heart, in all our hearts. That everything that you own and I own in our homes is not what it seems like. Our son and our daughter could be the reason we have our downfall in this world. You think our son and daughter is going to be the source of our climb and, and strength. Our, uh, 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 what you call, our gun that you have for protection could be the source, the reason we get killed ourselves. Right? Benefit and harm only lies with Allah. The, time, the people you think that are going to benefit you end up stab, backstabbing you. The people who you think are going to harm you end up benefiting you. We have to learn this, but we don't, we, we don't learn this lesson. All the time we're running towards people that, oh, maybe my benefit will come from him and he's going to harm me. No, my friends, we're all empty vessels. We are what? Empty vessels. We will only be able to benefit and harm based on what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wishes. So even if a person doesn't have a lot in this dunya, you don't need to have a lot to become successful. Allah can bring the means for you from places you can't imagine. And a person may have the wealth of this world but will not be able to help himself. He cannot even bring a good night's sleep. Oh Allah, isn't this true? How many millionaires you know who can't sleep at night? How many of them will tell, share with you stories of depression, anxiety, of medications, and they're all overdosing on, on antidepressants. And they have a line of luxurious cars in their garage, but they couldn't buy for them, buy themselves a good night's sleep. Because sleep and comfort and peace of mind does not come through material things. It comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But the world is lying. The world tells you that get a good education so that you get a good job, so that you can buy more material things so that you can get a peaceful life. There was a man on a yacht, on his private yacht, fishing, enjoying himself, drinking, fishing, this thing. Big yacht. He saw a small little fisherman with his little fishing boat, bichara, working. So he, after some time, he looked at him, he spoke to him. He looked down upon him, hey, fisherman, what are you doing? He said, I just, I'm toiling, I'm doing my work. He says, okay, you want to do some business? He said, what do you mean? He said, I'll help you. I'll give you some money. Then you can expand your business. He said, what do you want me to do? He said, you can hire someone else with another boat. And you guys can have two people working. And then he said, what do I do after that? He said, you will get a third and a fourth. And every day your catch will increase. He said, then what? He said, you keep on increasing the catch until your money will keep on increasing. And you will have to establish a huge business. A day will come when you will not even be on the boat working like this. And you will be relaxing. And he'll say, you'll be relaxing and doing what? He said, he's enjoying the life on a yacht like this. He said, that I'm already doing. You're telling me this long journey up to 20 years, I need to borrow money from you and do business so that one day I can relax like you on a yacht. He said, I'm already doing that over here in my little boat. I lead a very relaxed life. I don't have anything to worry about. SubhanAllah. Allahu Akbar. What is the purpose of all this run around to be on the boat relaxing? I'm already doing that. What does that tell you? It's all about in the mind. It's all in the heart. It's the way you, you and I approach life. If we have qana'ah and contentment, we will be the richest people. Nabi salam, he said that. He said, al-ghina, ghina al-qalb. Richness is the, is the contentment of the heart. My dear friends, I, I ask Allah to grant you and I qana'ah and contentment with whatever he's given us. Then we will never turn our, our attention to anyone else of this dunya. So I, Musa salam, he did not even turn back and look. Allah then told him, ya Musa, la takhaf. Oh Musa, do not turn. Do not be afraid, sorry. What you have in your hand is not a staff. Let's repeat this. What you have in your hand is, is what? And it's not a snake either. What's in your hand? 
What Allah wants is in your hands. What Allah wants is in your hands. That's the reality. What Allah wants is in your hands. We say the seatbelt protects the person. Yeah, it does most of the time. But how many people you I know, actually, the only reason they survived the car accident is because they didn't have the seatbelt. Otherwise, they would have been, the, the, the police and the, everyone said, if they had had it, they would be crushed to death. But instead, luckily, they, on impact, they were thrown out and they got saved. It happens. So the seatbelt is not a means of protection. It's a means of protection as long as Allah wants it to be a means of protection. The door lock is a means of protection only when Allah wants it. What if there's a fire? Wouldn't you want to have it open? Think about these things. So this is the basic aqidah that I need to get right. And we study the Quran with this intention to make islah of our aqidah. Ya Allah, allow me to see the nafa and nuqsan. Benefit and harm is only in the way you want, that you wish. Have no fear, for in my presence, messengers have nothing to fear about. What a beautiful point here. What does ladayya mean? In my presence. Quran says, فَإِنَّكَ بِأَعْيُنِنَا Oh Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, you're in, my, in front of my eyes. You're in, you're, you're in my vision. A Muslim should always think that. Allah to hear, Allah to dekha. A believer should always think that at least there's Allah. He's watching. The zulm that's happening in this dunya, zulm is happening in, in the Muslim countries, non-Muslim countries, the Muslim, the, the zulm that's happening all around. The cameras may capture only some of the footage. Some of the footage. But Allah's cameras and Allah's eyes are catching everything. And there's a, there's a day called Yawm deen where everything will set right. So for a Muslim, for a believer, we cannot become scared when we hear bad reports and bad news to say, oh, it's all over. This dunya is short. It will be over. Yes, I got to leave and you got to leave. But as long as we are feel that we're in the presence of Allah, we got nothing to fear about. Illa man dalama. Even should one have done wrong, even if a person, a believer, does sin, then he replaced his sin with good. Still, I'm indeed all forgiving, mercy giving. Meaning, a Muslim who's, who committed sin, he also does not have to fear that he will never be forgiven. If we made tawbah, the one who repents from a sin is like the one who's never sinned in the first place. Today, the youth have to be reminded and the adults have to be reminded of this because people are giving up hope. They say, I already missed Fajr, Dhuhr, Asr, Maghrib. Why should I pray Isha? Many people say that. Why even if you missed all the prayers, just pray your Isha at least. I haven't prayed all week long. Why should I pray Juma? I haven't fasted for so many years. Why should I? No, don't worry. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is ghafur rahim. At least, at least do one thing. And this is an advice to anyone who's struggling in any part of your life. Just because you missed four things, don't miss out the fifth thing. Right? Shaitan will tell you this. The purpose of shaitan is eventually to get a person out of the fold of Islam. That's his goal. And they keep on making us despondent. Only the disbelievers are the ones who become despondent from the mercy of Allah. Never give up. Never give up. Never give up. And then he said, I'm giving you the second miracle. He said, let your hand enter the bosom of your garment. Let your hand enter the bosom of your garment. And then when you pull it out, it will come out radiant white without any blemish. What do you mean without any blemish? It's not because you're suffering some skin disease. No, it's not like that. It will become super white, like as though it's like a sunlight in front of someone's eyes. Blind them, blind people. 
This is one of the nine miraculous signs. That you will shall show to Fir'aun and his people. Indeed, you have been an ungodly people. So Allah gave him nine signs. Two of them are here. He spoke, spoke about. One is the staff. The other one that you have here is the white hand. Third one is years of drought, blood, uh, a, a big storm, uh, presence of grasshoppers everywhere, presence of uh, uh, bed bugs everywhere. And presence of frogs everywhere, meaning in their cups, everything. And lastly, is the splitting of the ocean. Right? These nine signs, two of them are mentioned here. So what happened, my friends? He was going to Baytul Maqdis. He wanted to go to his, the native land of his grandparents, great-grandparents. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made him do a detour. He got lost. And in that losing, what happened? He got being granted prophethood. And now he said, okay, now stop going there. Now you need to go to Egypt. And I need you to go to work. You become a prophet, and now you got to go speak to Pharaoh. Yet when our signs came to them, manifest before their very eyes. So clear, clear, clear signs. These nine signs that we talked about. Instead of believing in it and saying, they said, This is clear sorcery. This is, not, this is obviously magic. No doubt. Beyond any doubt, this is magic. Today, you give someone a wazifa to read. You tell someone, by you're in pain, read Surah Fatiha. Seven times. Read this tasbih after salah. Quranic ayah, read this. You meet him afterwards, you say, by how are you feeling? Alhamdulillah, man, that medicine worked great. Which medicine? The medicine he took. Did you read? He actually read the ayats of the Quran. But we feel so difficult to attribute our success to a verse of the Quran or to an amal of Rasul When things happen, people will say, by lawyer, that lawyer was great. That doctor was great. That accountant was great. Instead of saying, Alhamdulillah, my two rakat salat al-haja, I was able to get the mercy of Allah. The words speak everything. They're saying what's inside the heart. The heart finds it so difficult to attribute success towards amal. And we're always finding, trying to find, and I, I'm, I'm part of the problem, I'm speaking about my own self. Always trying to find material things to give credit to. Material things to give credit to. Instead of saying our Monday, Thursday fast, our tahajjurakats of tahajjud salah, that's what got us through. Through the fadl of Allah, of course, even that didn't get us through. Through the grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's, take that to another whole degree. And that's what's happening over here. Why can't you just say this is the qudra of Allah? They said, no, this is magic. I just can't believe. It. I just can't say it. it's a qudra of Allah. That's what's happening. Why? Allah says, very important. Allah says, they, even though within their own souls, within their own souls, they are certain and they have yaqeen and conviction that these signs are from Allah. They disavowed them. Why, did this, why are they disbelieving in this even though they know it's from Allah? Two reasons. Vulman. Wrongfully oppressing the verses of the Quran, oppressing the signs. What does oppression mean? Oppression means to bring something down. You're supposed to put it in its place. You're supposed to put your kufi on your head, not in your on the shoe rack. That's dhulm on the kufi that you put on a shoe rack. So dhulm on the Quranic ayah is you're supposed to believe in it. When a person doesn't believe in it, that's dhulm on the verse of the Quran. And uluwa means haughtiness. What does uluwa here mean? That we're thinking, I myself, I'm greater than the Quran. I'm greater than the Prophet. I'm greater than Allah, etc. 
Allah says, Fandur mufsidin. See how devastating was the end of the sowers of corruption. These people who sowed corruption, look what a horrible ending they came. So this entire story, let's let's alhamdulillah the last ayah we're covering today. Uh, the the this the, this story of the Prophet Musa, I told you there's five stories that we're going to be covering in Surah Al-Namr. This was the first story today. The next one's going to be Sulaiman Islam's long story. So in this story here, the purpose of mentioning the story of the prophets is pretty much one, one very big reason. Is to tell us and tell the people of Mecca and all of us today as well. That guess what? The Prophet is not the first prophet. He's rather the last one. If you want to learn how things are going to happen, why don't you just look what happened in the previous years? Anyone who obeys the prophet of the time became successful. Anyone who disobeyed and messed around with the prophet became unsuccessful. And Allah destroyed them at the end. And, and so... It is a message to the disbelievers of Mecca that don't you don't think that you're stronger than the people of nation of Thamud and Ad or the people of Nuh. Allah destroyed all of them and your turn will come too if you don't simply submit to these verses of the Quran. So Allah is mentioning that Fir'aun and his people did not humble themselves in front of these nine signs. And they denied them and Allah destroyed them. So, oh Meccans, wake up. Don't mess with my prophet and the verse of the Quran. It is also consoling the Prophet ﷺ that, oh Prophet of Allah, you're not the only one who got abused and who was belied. All the previous prophets also got belied and were abused. This ayah also mentions that we cannot convince anyone who has zid, zid, stubbornness in his heart. If a person is stubborn and wants to become blind, my brothers and sisters, then he will see red as white, white as black. There's nothing that we can understand. We can never explain to him. So we have to ask Allah protection from this type of blindness and this type of arrogance in front of Allah. Sin, I sin. We all sin. But my brothers and sisters, let us not be arrogant in front of Allah. Let's not try to come up with excuses for ourselves. I tell, uh, my teachers told me this, so I tell my students the same thing. We all make mistakes. We make mistakes against Allah. We make mistakes against each other. But let's not lie about the reasons. Why don't we just simply say, Ana muqassar. And Asif, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. That's, that's it. That's the way out. That's an easy way out in this dunya. Two, two sentences that make your marriage very successful. Two, this is marriage counseling. We always share about this, right? Taking notes. What is it? Number one is that helps save the marriage and keep the marriage going. Not save it, nourish it. What's it? What is it? You guys know. What is it? Next one. I'm sorry and I love you. He wanted to say that we're feeling shy. Okay, but I'm sorry and I love you. This straight from yani Nabi Ali Salam is telling his sahabi, his sahabi sitting next to Rasulullah. He say, Ya Rasulullah, that person is walking, not his wife, some random person. He say, Ya Rasulullah, I love him. He just told the Prophet. You know, like you, a scholar walks by, someone's going to say, Man, I really like that guy. Rasulullah said, Did you go tell him? He said, No. He said, Go tell him that you love him. If Rasulullah is saying, you should go tell some random person walking who you truly love, tell him that you love him. Then what about a person's wife or a husband? So I love you and I'm sorry. So one day, one of the students, he messaged me. And, and he said, he said, Mufti Saab, you know, the, the year is ending. <laughs> the year is ending. And I want to tell you that I love you for the sake of Allah. And I love you so much this year. He's a very good student, mashallah. He's a great student. I'm like, wait, this doesn't add up. This usually doesn't happen in me where students come and say, you know, I love you. 
So I was like, okay, no, no. Mashallah, I, I take it. May Allah love you for the whom you love me. What's a story, brother? What's a story? Uh, Mufti Saab, don't ask me. No, no, what's a story? He said, ah, uh, it's exam week. Remember that. Exam week. What's he doing? He's playing basketball tournament. And they made someone up. He's playing basketball. And in the basketball tournament, they said, eventually it was one-on-one. -on -one. They said, whoever loses, got to go tell Mufti Saab that he loves him. <laughs> so he had lost the game. And so now he had to come in, tell me. So he got caught playing during exam week. And then he had to also got caught telling me, that he had to tell me the reason why he said he loved me. So I'll end, I'll end it at that note, mashallah, that, you know, on a lighter, lighter juncture, that this is how we uh, keep ourselves, our relationships with people good by saying, not just husband and wife, anyone, by saying, I love you and I'm sorry. And these two things, inshallah, will help us grow our relationships wherever we are. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to uh, uh, accept our uh, sitting here today. I want, uh, for those of us who are listening, I'm, I'm actually speaking from, uh, you know, New York, Alhamdulillah, city, uh, Long Island, actually, Masjid Rashid here in Baldwin, um, Baldwin. And one thing I want to congratulate those who are listening here live, that the way I tell people in Chicago too, there are not that many live programs taking place in the entire city, right? Maybe none, maybe none in this entire region. So Alhamdulillah, you're blessed to have uh, been part of something, which is something which was, think about how before it was. On any given night, you have three other programs. You have to think which one you should go to. But now you have to travel 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 miles to find a program that's taking place live in, our, in any of the masjids, especially in where I'm coming from, Chicago, and also over here. So we should thank Allah that we're part of this. And we should beg and cry to Allah, Ya Allah, open up the doors of the masjids. And Allah, please save me from disrespecting, dishonoring, and, and not showing talab and desire to the gatherings of ilm and zikr. And that, Ya Allah, do not punish us for our collective sins that we have done. That every majlis, every bayan, every single salah, we should be making dua, Allah, remove this waba, this epidemic, this pandemic uh, from us. And that the, the ruhani, uh, you know, uh, the, the, besides the physical sickness that we're suffering, the spiritual sickness that we're suffering, we know we need to seek protection and uh, an afiyah from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for that. Inshallah, we'll conclude with the dua. This week has been very tough. Last week, those of you who learned the tafsir and the short dua I made after that, I made lots of dua for certain sick people. This week, all the sick people I made dua for died. Sajid Bay from our masjid, the owner of Pick and Move, who used to bring students. Would you guys remember Pick and Move? Did he bring food for you guys? Yes, you remember? Sajid Bay used to deliver the food. SubhanAllah. Look at these brothers. You know, they ate from him. Such an honorable brother. He used to come and deliver food for like less than cost price for our madrasa students for so many years. And he would always make ikram. He passed away young, 40, maybe 41, 42-year-old brother. Passed away from cancer. Then we had um, a brother across the street who owns a hotel, the Armada Inn. His son, 40-year-old, 40-year-old died overnight with a heart attack. All of a sudden, just right then and there, this past week. Similarly, we had uh, uh, what you call two of my, uh, two, uh, one of my musallis, uh, his uh, son by his mother passed away the day before yesterday. One of our students from Florida, Ayub Bhai, is, uh, the, is the father. His father passed away also last night uh, in India. Uh, and then we had, uh, subhanAllah, uh, 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 Abdul, Abdul Hadi, who we were all making dua for. We had a lot of khatams for him. An amazing young individual, 36 years old, left behind one son. He died, three weeks ago, he got diagnosed with cancer and he passed away two nights ago. All right? Uh, SubhanAllah. So lots of people, my brothers. And then we heard about Manasad Khandabi Sab's Dawan Barakatul sister also passing away in Makkah to Mukarramah. So many people have passed away within this week. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgiveness for all of them and afia for all of those who are sick.
بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم انت السلام ومنك السلام وتبارك يا ذا الجلال والاكرام اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم لا نسيت لنا عليك انت كما اثنيت على نفسك اللهم يا حي يا قيوم يا احد الصمد الذي لم يلد ولم يولد ولم يكن له كفوا احد ظلمنا انفسنا وان لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين اللهم يا حي يا قيوم يا حي يا قيوم برحمتك نستغيث اصلح لنا شاننا كله ولا تكن لا اله الا انت طرفه عين اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على محمد صلاه تنجينا بها من جميع الاحوال والافات وتقديرنا بها جميع الحاجات وتطهرنا بها عن جميع وتطهرنا بها من جميع السيئات وترفعنا بها عندك على درجات وتبلغنا بها اقصى الغايات من جميع الخيرات في الحياه بعد الممات انك على كل شيء قدير اللهم ربنا ظلمنا انفسنا وان لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين اللهم ربنا اتنا في الدنيا حسنه وفي الاخره حسنه وقنا عذاب النار اللهم ربنا لا تزغ قلوبنا بعد اذ هديتنا وهب لنا من لدنك رحمه انك انت الوهاب اللهم ربنا لا تجعلنا فتنه للقوم الظالمين ونجنا برحمتك القوم الكافرين اللهم اغفر لحينا وميتنا وشاهدنا وقائدنا وصغيرنا وكبيرنا وذكرنا وانثانا اللهم من حييت منا فحي على الاسلام ومن توفيت منا فتوفوا على الايمان اللهم اغفر لهم وارحمهم واعف عنهم وادخلهم الجنه اللهم نقهم من الذنوب كما ينقى الثوب الابيض بالدنس اللهم اجعل قبرهم من رياض الجنه ولا تجعل حفرة من حفر النار، اللهم لا تحرمنا اجرهم ولا تفتنا بعدهم، اللهم ابدلهم دارا خيرا من دارهم واهلا خيرا من اهلهم، اللهم ان كانوا محسنين فتقبل منهم وان كانوا مسيئين فتجاوز عنهم، اللهم اشف مرضانا ومرضى المسلمين، اللهم اشفنا اشفنا واشف مرضانا ومرضى المسلمين، نسال الله العظيم رب العرش العظيم ان يشفي مرضانا ومرضى المسلمين، نسال الله العظيم رب العرش العظيم ان يشفي مرضانا ومرضى المسلمين، نسال الله العظيم رب العرش العظيم ان يشفي مرضانا ومرضى المسلمين، اللهم طهر قلوبنا من النفاق واعمالنا من الرياء سنتنا من الكذب وأعيننا من الخيانة فإنك تعلم خائنة الأعين ما تخفي الصدور اللهم رب ارحمهما كما ربياني صغيرا رب ارحمهما كما ربياني صغيرا رب ارحمهما كما ربياني صغيرا لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك إني كنت من الظالمين حسبنا الله ونعم الوكيل على الله توكلنا حسبنا الله لما أهمنا حسبنا الله لمن بغى علينا حسبنا الله لمن كادنا بسوء حسبنا الله عند الموت حسبنا الله عند السؤال في القبر حسبنا الله عند عند الميزان حسبنا الله عند الصراط حسبنا الله لا إله إلا هو عليه توكلنا ورب العرش العظيم اللهم ربنا إننا سمعنا مناديا ينادي للإيمان إن آمنوا بربكم فآمنا ربنا فاغفر لنا ذنوبنا وكفر عنا سيئاتنا وتوفنا مع الأبرار ربنا واتنا ما وعدتنا على رسلك ولا تخزنا يوم القيامة ولا تخزنا يوم القيامة إنك لا تخرف الميعاد اللهم اجعل القرآن العظيم ربيع قلوبنا وجلاء أحزاننا وذهاب همومنا وغمومنا وسائقنا إلى جناتك جنات النعيم اللهم استخدمنا لدينك واستعمل أبداننا لطاعتك اللهم استخدمنا لدينك واستعمل أبداننا لطاعتك اللهم حبب إلينا الإيمان وزينه في قلوبنا وكره إلينا الكفر والفسوق والعصيان اللهم اجعلنا من الراشدين والله we ask you to accept this gathering Allah accept whatever was shared and said Allah anything that was beneficial indeed it was from you whatever mistakes were made Allah we seek forgiveness for it Allah we ask you to grant us the ability to practice on all whatever was shared Ya Allah Ya Allah we ask you Ya Allah to grant all of us a mahabbat and love of the Quran Allah we ask you to grant us all the ability to to study the Quran O oh Allah, to delve into the meanings of the Quran. O oh Allah, grant us the ability to recite the Quran the way it was revealed to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. O Allah, grant all of us ishq of the Quran, love of the Quran. O oh Allah, allow us all to become uh, to 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 enjoy reciting Quran for hours and end and listening to the Quran and hours and end. O oh Allah, O oh Allah, we ask you to make Quran our partner in this dunya, in the qabr and akhirah. O oh Allah, make the Quran our witness for us on the day of judgment. O oh Allah, allow the Quran to speak on our behalf and fight on our behalf on the day of judgment. O oh Allah, we ask you to protect us from having the Quran curse us and become. 
becoming becoming a witness against us. Oh Allah, save us from amongst to be from amongst those people who sleep away from the Quran and who do not practice on the Quran. Ya Allah, allow us the ability to study the language of the Quran. Allow us to read through the translation of the Quran. Allow us to attend the durus of tafsir of the Quran and read through the tafsir of the Quran. Oh Allah, we ask you to allow us to practice on all the verses of the Quran and propagate the verses of the Quran. Oh Allah, allow our families to become people of Quran. Oh Allah, allow us all to become attached to the Quran. Allow the Quran to be recited out loud in our homes. Oh Allah, allow our homes to, uh, to, uh, to, to Ya Allah, to, to enjoy, allow the walls to be able to enjoy the, the loud recitation of the Quran in our homes, in the early hours of the morning, in the late hours of the night. Ya Allah, make us amongst those who perform tahajjud regularly and who perform salat with jama'ah regularly. Oh Allah, make us amongst those who establish salat properly. Ya Allah, make us amongst those who have complete yaqeen in your power and your greatness, with complete yaqeen in your being, and complete yaqeen in all your attributes, complete yaqeen in all your names. Oh Allah, we ask you to grant us complete conviction as though we can see you. Oh Allah, we ask you, allow us such amount of yaqeen that we will not get affected by the happenings of this world. Oh Allah, we ask you, Ya Allah, to grant us the ability to have to pray such salah that will reach your throne and reach your arsh. Oh Allah, grant us the ability to perform such salah that will get our needs of this dunya and qabr and akhirah fulfilled. Oh Allah, we ask you to grant us concentration in our salah. Oh Allah, grant us the ability to keep our tongues moist in your remembrance, our hearts beating with your love. Oh Allah, make us wrong with zakirin and zakirat. Oh Allah, allow us to memorize the masnoon du'as and recite it regularly. Allow us to make lengthy du'as in seclusion and in public. Oh Allah, we ask you, Allah, allow us to pray and call out to you and supplicate you with conviction that you are listening to our prayers and you are most definitely accept our prayers. Oh Allah, we ask you to grant us the ability to keep every morning and every evening, allow us to read the morning and evening du'as. Oh Allah, we ask you, allow us, Ya Allah, to dedicate time every day for istighfar, every day for salawat ala nabi sallallahu alayhi wa Oh Allah, we ask you to grant us the ability to Ya Allah improve our character, allow us to become the best sons and daughters, the best son-in-laws and best daughter-in-laws, best moms and dads, best husbands and wives, best neighbors. Oh Allah, we ask you to grant us the ability to control our anger. Oh Allah, we ask you to grant us the ability to control all our evil diseases of the heart. Oh Allah, we ask you, Allah, beautify our character. Allow our character to be a reflection of Rasulullah Sallallahu character. Ya Allah, we ask you, Allah, to grant us the ability, Ya Allah, to seek the knowledge of the deen and practice on whatever knowledge we seek. Oh Allah, we ask you, Allah, to grant all of us sifat and attributes of acceptance. Oh Allah, use us for the khidmah of deen the way the sahaba were used for the khidmah of deen. Most importantly, Ya Allah, grant us ikhlas. Grant us ikhlas, grant us sincerity, save us from any and all types of ostentation, oh Allah, and show. Oh Allah, we ask you to open up the doors of, 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 the, of your haramain al-sharifain. Oh Allah, we ask you to open up the doors of the masajid and the madaris. Oh Allah, open up the doors of the khanqahs and the zawiyat. Oh Allah, open up the doors of the marakiz. Oh Allah, we ask you to remove this pandemic. Oh, remove this and end. Oh Allah, this pandemic is nothing but a creation of yours. Oh Allah, you're its creator. Oh Allah, you pull back this, this coronavirus and all this cancer and all these diseases that are plaguing the community. Oh Allah, especially this virus that has become a means of our masjids being closed and our madrasas being closed. Oh Allah, oh Allah, we ask you to pull this away from the ummah. Oh Allah, pull this away from the ummah. Pull this away from the ummah. Oh Allah, we repent to you collectively and individually from any and all sins which has caused your wrath to come upon us. Oh Allah, we ask you Allah to once again allow our masjids to become filled. Oh Allah, open up the means so that our masjids once again become filled. The madrasa start up again. And oh Allah, our programs continue the way the way it used to be. Oh Allah, bless Masjid Rashid here as well. And all our masajid nearby and far away throughout the world. Oh Allah, allow this masjid to become populated. Allow, oh Allah, uh, fulfill all the needs of this masjid. Oh Allah, oh Allah, we ask you Allah, remove any and all obstacles in allowing this to become a markaz of deen, allow it to become a center of deen, allow it to become a place where people from across the globe will come and learn and, and benefit and learn their spirituality, learn their ilm and perform the salah amongst many other activities as well. 
Oh Allah, oh Allah, we ask you, Allah, whatever permissible desires and needs the listeners here have, fulfill all of our permissible desires and needs. Oh Allah, those who are not married, allow them to find the best of spouses. Those who were previously married, allow them to find a better spouse than they had before. Oh Allah, those who do not have children, grant them righteous children. Oh Allah, those who have children, make them healthy, make them righteous, make them the sweetness and the coolness of their eyes. Oh Allah, oh Allah, those who are suffering at the hands of their parents, those who are suffering at the hands of their kids, those who are suffering at the hands of their spouses, Allah, we ask you to end their suffering, end the abuse that they're going through. Bring mahabba and love within the marriages. Bring mahabba and love in the homes. Allah, replace adawa and hatred with mahabba and love. Oh Allah, oh Allah, we ask you, Allah, till the last breath, allow us to prepare for meeting you. Till the last breath, allow us to serve the deen with sincerity. Oh Allah, our health and our wealth, our children, our life, and our faculties are all our amana and trust given to us by you. Allow us to utilize all of this for the khidmah of deen. Oh Allah. Whatever du'as the Rasulullah and the pious of the past and the pious of today have asked you and are asking you, grant us all the good. Whatever evil they sought refuge in you from, grant us refuge from all of those things. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifoon. Wa salamun ala al-mursaleen. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Ameen, ameen, ameen.